Here's Alexis Sanchez! What a finish! Walcott's going to go through and score! Into the middle, Giroud! It's two! Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. I'm Russell Hargreaves. On today's show, we've got an extended chat with Peter Cech about his already historical career. Peter's had a solid debut season with the Gunners, culminating with him winning the Premier League's Golden Glove Award on the last day of the season, and with a clean sheet in the 4-0 win over Aston Villa. Arsenal Media's Max Jones asking the questions, and we'll start off with Peter's earliest memories of playing football. Okay, so we'll just start with the, uh, the first steps in your career. When did you first discover your love for football? Well, uh, I used to play with the kids in my courtyard, you know. We, 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 my family lived in a big block of apartments where you have so many people and, and the kids more or less the same age. So, you know, you, we would have a pitch or a playground right behind the, the house. So that everybody was doing the same. You would play hockey or you would play, uh, or you would play um, uh, football or any other kind of things. You know, you can go with a group of people living there. And uh, so I had fun, you know, this is where I started uh, learning how to, how to kick the ball and uh, how to play or, or do little things. Obviously, my father was a big uh, part in there because as a, as a sport or as an athlete, let's say, he, you know, he played with us with the ball and he showed us how to kick the ball, how to throw the ball and all this little stuff when we were kids. So we would, uh, you know, I would learn. Then obviously playing with the other kids, I would improve that. And um, when I was, I always wanted to play as a kid. This was always my first choice. But obviously, uh, at that time, you would have to buy all the equipment. So if you imagine, you know, the, the financial aspect of buying all the equipment, you grow up fast as a kid. So then you need to, you know, keep buying it, and it, it just we couldn't just afford it. So. Um, my father was very clever in that way. He knew that I enjoy any kind of sport, and football. You know, I had ice hockey and football really, you know, on the same level. And so he took me to the football club when I was seven or six and a half, seven. And, uh, and obviously, as soon as I started playing football, then I knew that I, I really like it. And uh, this is how I started. And I, since then, I was, you know, going to training, still play the other sports, but. Uh, but football was the main for me. Is it true that you started off as a striker? I I was a striker or the midfielder, and I'm left-footed. So obviously, you know that uh, I think we only were two in the whole team left-footed. So you know it was a big, uh, and and actually I can I can read the game pretty well. So that was my main strength that I could you know I could read the game and make the simple pass. But actually, for you know like a constructive pass. And this is what the what the coach liked, and so as a left uh, left footed, you know, I played left wing, and uh, or I played later than I than I and then I played in the in the central midfield. You know, in that in the time you played with three in the middle, so the the midfielder in the middle he really got all the balls. It was brilliant because you always get to play. You know, you always get to touch the ball because everything went kind of through. So I really enjoyed that, but. Um, you know, when, the, when we had the training sessions and at the end of the session, you know, we had like a three game where we could swap positions if we wanted. So you would play everywhere and then 
obviously being in a goal in ice hockey I wanted to try how is it to be in, in, in goal just for fun in, in football so this is how few times I went in the end of the session just to see the difference and when I was uh, when I was eight we actually had um, we had a game and our goalkeepers didn't come one didn't come I don't know why a second one was ill so we suddenly had a game and no goalkeeper so we didn't know nobody really knew what we we're gonna do but one of the coach uh, coaches he, he saw me a few times you know being in the goal after, in the end of the session so he said well I think you've been doing that pretty well then maybe you should you should just play this game so I agreed to play this one one game and then the following day when I came to the, to the training, then the goalkeeper coach took me on the side and he said, no, now you're a goalkeeper. And, but because I played that quite important role in the team in the middle of the pitch, then my, my coach didn't want me to be a goalkeeper. He wanted me to continue playing. So for another two years, I was actually swapping. One, some games I played in goal, some games I played in midfield. And when I was 10, I broke my leg playing in midfield. Actually, the goalkeeper broke my leg quite badly. So then I had a, you know, then I had the cast for four months and I couldn't, and I had a really, for a long time, I had a pain running. So I, I wouldn't last a game. I just, after half an hour running, the pain was too big that I couldn't. So then in the end, you know, if you in goal, you can do all the training, you can do everything you can. Even with the cast, you can sit and catch the ball and then, and it literally decided uh, my my way uh, for me. So since then, I I, I stick in a, in a goal, and and then occasionally I played a few times since I played in. But it was really just when it was needed, not not because I would uh, I would want. At what point did you realize that you could go on and play professionally? Well, I think if you if you grow in England. I think you have a pretty early, you can see whether you have a chance to make it professional because, you know, professionally you, you, sp you speak about league football, which is top four divisions. You still earn money playing, you know, league two. But um, in Czech Republic it doesn't work like that. So actually, even at the age of 18, you are never sure whether you're going to make it or not in, in the circumstances. So. I realized when I was um, when I was when I was 15, and I got the first call for the national team under 15, and then under 16. I realized that if I if I continue doing well and working hard, and and I, if I stay in that team, you have like a big chance to go category by category. So from under 16, 17, 18, 19, under 21. You are very close to do something once you play for under 21. You have actually big chances. One of the uh, first league clubs will actually make you play. So this was probably there where I realized, okay, if I work hard enough and I stay in this in the national team year by year, then this is gonna be my biggest chance how to have the success and manage to manage to uh, you know to be professional. But uh, I still finished the school and everything because I, you, you never, as I said, you never know. But then, obviously, when I was 17, after the Euro and European Championship, under 16, you know, I signed my first professional contract, and and from there it was pretty much 
uh, open door for me. So it all depended on me how well I will train, how well I will do, and and this was my this was the chance I wanted, and and I and I, I took it. Of course, that was with uh, Sparta Prague, wasn't it? So it was in it was with Bushani. Oh, Bushani. So was it a year later then that you signed for? Then obviously I, I started playing. I wasn't first for, when I was seventeen. The first year I was uh, I was a number two, and then step by step I was becoming number one. And and after after a year at, at Bolshani, you know, Sparta Prague came in in January and actually you know went to to buy me, and they bought me uh, for the biggest ever uh, money. The the goalkeeper was bought bef you know in the Czech league. In a history, so it, it suddenly put a lot of pressure. I turned 18, and then everybody was asking me, oh, how is it to play? You are the most expensive Czech goalkeeper, and and what do you think? You know what will happen? So I stayed until the end of the season, and then we had the World Cup under 20, and then and then after that I I went uh, to to Sparta, and at that time, all, you know, we were three goalkeepers, and all you know the the, the other two goalkeepers were playing for the national team. So it was just think, okay, it will be a it will be a big fight. So first, uh, I didn't start the season as a number one, and uh, and the team didn't start the season so well. So the fourth game of the season, I the coach came and he said, okay, next game you play. I need to you know I need to give the team kind of boost or you know I need to change something. And uh, we've been doing really well, training really well, so. I think you deserve your chance. So this was my this was my chance, and so we won the f the first game, and then I went on 900 minutes without conceding, so and broke the 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 Czech league record, which was absolutely brilliant in my in my first season with the with the top Czech club. So I couldn't ask for more, and I playing Champions League 12 games in the Champions League, and then started playing for the national team. So. You know, it was it was a really like a big uh, breakthrough for me in on the personal uh, terms. But um, obviously, I I enjoyed that really, really. Uh, it was a, it was a great uh, experience, and I think that playing so early with a team who at, in a Czech league, you know, the draw is not enough. You have to keep winning, and then then obviously playing big t big teams in the Champions League. Where you know you know that you are the underdog, you have to fight every game to get the result. I think it it, it was something which I learned to to play with the pressure ever since I was 18, and as well as with Bolshani, we we always play to avoid the the relegation. So you play constantly under pressure, and so I I learned at the age of 17 how to play for the you know to avoid the relegation so every game under pressure and then obviously every with Sparta Prague every game under pressure to win the title so you know I think this these two years or three years actually gave me so much then when I when I make that switch to first when I went to France obviously it was the first time I played for the team who had the ambition to to go into the European uh, Cups but uh, but um, not really playing for the title. But then when I went to switch to, to England, obviously to Chelsea, you play all the time under pressure, you need to win. But I was used to that. So for me, it was not, uh, it was not a problem. We'll be back with part two of that interview in a couple of minutes. But first, it's time for a history lesson. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, 
It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 30th of June 1999, Silvino became the first ever Brazilian to sign for Arsenal when he joined the club from Corinthians. Having the difficult task of replacing fans' favourite Nigel Winterburn at left-back, his marauding support runs caught the eye early on and he opened his account for the Gunners in fine style against Sheffield Wednesday. Keown made some sort of connection. So too did Vieira. Here's Silvino. Well, it's what the crowd have wanted to see from the Brazilian. His first Arsenal goal. Superb! Silvino would score five goals from fallback in his two seasons for the club, including one at Stamford Bridge, which had earned him cult hero status among the Highbury faithful. Inside the last five minutes now. Arsenal searching for an equaliser. Here goes Canu, good tackle by the berth. Silvino to drive it! And drive it brilliantly! Fantastic hit! And Arsenal... I've got themselves a point here. In total, Savinio played 80 times for Arsenal, winning a Community Shield in 1999 before moving to Celta Vigo in 2001. So that was this week's history lesson, and now it's time to go back to our in-depth discussion with Peter Cech. And we're picking up the story of his career with a tale of when he almost joined the Gunners for the first time. Before you moved to France, um, you were linked quite heavily with Arsenal. <coughs> um, was, was there a... a chance that you could have come here? Are you able to tell us that story? Well, it, you know, it was one, there was a moment where it looked like it might happen, but obviously we were not in the European Union and at the time you needed a work permit. And um, the, the rules for the work permit were quite strict. And, and I think you had to play more than 75% of the of the games for your national team. And I was 17, 18. Uh, so how you expect the player 17, 18, being goalkeeper to play 75% of the national team games, which under 21 don't, you know, games don't count. So then it's almost impossible. So it was clear that I had to ask for an exception which nobody would give me anyway. So then it was clear that it will not happen because, you know, to go to the club where you don't have the work permit and then you have to go somewhere. And in the end, you know, it, it all fell through. So this was the, this was, this was the first contact for, with, you know, of me with the, with the English football. It didn't happen. And then, then obviously later on, I, we, we played the European Championship under 21 when we became European champions. We beat France in the final and then I, then I went to France. Probably this game helped me to, uh, to open the door to, uh, to go to France. That was your first move abroad as a footballer. Um, can you just talk us through your experience of that? How was it leaving, leaving home, leaving your friends and family there? Well, the, the biggest, the biggest uh, change, obviously, was the language barrier. I, I had never learned French before. So you go, to the, you go to a new country where you have a different slide, you know, different culture. And as a goalkeeper, you know, the communication with the player is very important. Suddenly you cannot say a word, you know. There were so few people who would, who would speak English, so already, you know, to start you know, to communicate with people 
on the page. You know, you can't even use English because majority of the people wouldn't, you know, just you know, understand. So the first thing I had to do was to start, you know, the, the French lessons and, and to make sure that people understand me, that I can learn the basics for the games and for the training and then obviously even for the normal life. So then you, then you learn how to adapt in a new country, you know, to understand the new culture. And obviously the learning, the, learning the language as fast as possible actually helped me to settle in. Because suddenly, you know, I understood a lot of things and then I could communicate with people and I understood, understood better the culture of the country, which helped me, you know, settle in and, and, and then to feel, you know, more comfortable. And, and, it, and it, it could be seen that I didn't have problems on the pitch. You know, as soon as I started playing, I played my game and without any, any problems because obviously I, I didn't feel that barrier thanks to the, you know, the lessons that I took. And, I, you know, it was... It was, start at the, it was tough at the start because obviously anything happened, you know, the language barrier was there the first few weeks. But then you go from training session and then you go for two hours for the French lesson and sometimes you think, oof. But I knew that without that I wouldn't be able to, you know, to play my best game. So I did that for like three times a week. Uh, after every training I went and, and, I, and I did it and, and then obviously it helped me to settle in and, and this was probably the biggest lesson that you know that once you understand the culture, you speak the language, then everything becomes easier and, and you, even for yourself, you know, when, you, when your car, car breaks down in the middle of the road and you cannot explain it and nobody understands you, then you know, it, it, it's, you don't feel really well, you go to buy anything and your credit card is not working, what, what do you do? how you explain, nobody understands you. So this, you know, it puts extra pressure on everything. And, and, you know, once you learn the language and you understand the culture, everything becomes easier because you don't have these issues. If you have a problem, you deal with the problem and you don't have to call anyone and, oh, well, I need help with this or that. And, and actually, I think this was the biggest lesson and, and biggest help because then when I moved to, or when I, when I signed for Chelsea, I actually stayed another six months to finish the season in France. So I had six months to prepare for all this. You know, I could learn English, I could, you know, improve. So I was learning to improve my English because I had a basic English from school, which was very little. So then I started watching movies and things in English that I could understand. And, and once I came over here, obviously the language barrier was not big. So it was much easier when I came over here. And then I had that experience. How is it to, you know, to come to a different country without any knowledge about the the language and the culture, so it was it was a great lesson. So from the second you arrived in the Premier League, you were a success with Chelsea. Um, can you just describe those first few seasons where you were with Chelsea? Well, obviously the first the first when I came to Chelsea, Carlo Cudicini was voted the best player of the, the goalkeeper of the Premier League. He just think, okay, it's another good task. So I will have you know it will be a big challenge. But uh, obviously uh, Jose Mourinho came. Uh, as a new manager. So the advantage of that is that when you have a new manager coming, everybody kind of starts from the same line. So obviously that was a help for me because uh, uh, first I thought, okay, Claudio Ranieri signed, was the manager by the time I signed and now he's not there. So I'm thinking the manager who wanted to sign me actually uh, is not there anymore. Is it advantage or disadvantage? But in the end, when you have a new manager, everybody starts from the same line, so probably it was a better, you know, uh, better situation for me. And then, then in the end of the preseason, 
<coughs> Steve Klago was the assistant coach at the time. He came to me and he said, you know, you've done really well. You know, you've, 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 you know, we feel that you're, you're ready and confident. So we'll, we'll probably give you a chance to start the season. So then, then we had the last game uh, against Argos as a f the last friendly game, and then, then, uh, then the start against uh, Man United, which was which was a great start. So I knew that you know I will have my chance, but uh, you know you are new to the Premier League; it's completely different than any other league I used, I used to play before. So for me, it was a, every game was like a con constant discovery. So I was watching the games and and try to learn as much as possible again, again about the opponents and the team I played against because obviously I didn't have the experience to play that game and um, I think it helped me obviously then you have a team who started you know to look good we knew that we are progressing game by game and and we had so many hungry people who wanted to prove the point. So we were really, you know, well balanced with experience and young hungry players. And and the manager who had a big ambition to came to come to English football and, and and do well. So I think it all came. So I think it helped me a lot because obviously I was doing really well individually, but the team was doing really well as well. And it did help, you know, they helped me to settle in. And obviously, everything is about football. So. Once, once you the football is doing well, then even in the in the private life, you know you are more relaxed and and everything becomes easier. So I think that make a you know big part. And then for the second season, obviously that was that was the first where you think, okay, now you raise the bar, you put it really high, and then you need to keep it there. So then since then it was like a constant battle to keep the you know the level up there and. And, and 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 try to improve all the time and and this was um, you know this is this is the way it it's been working ever since unfortunately we can't discuss your career without mentioning the the head injury against reading rather than talking about the incident itself can we try and work out you know whether there was a positive to come out of that an enlightening moment well I, you know i have to say that um uh, you know, there was a lot of people saying, "Ask oh, probably the end. He will not play again." Uh, the, you know, you ha you get so many people telling you, "I oh, have to take time, and you should take whole year off, and then probably you know build up slowly to get back." But I kind of felt that, like, okay, as soon as you tell me I can I can play, I will try to go back and play because this is what I enjoy the most, and and obviously it was a kind of. Uh, challenge to prove everybody I, I don't need the whole year I, I can do it faster and, and I will be I will come back and I'll, I will be stronger than before and I will I will play at the same level and I will you know so I had that kind of like a um, I took it as, as a massive challenge and it was a massive challenge for me because you know it was there were days when you just feel it will never happen you know it's not going well you don't feel well and and you just think like okay what I'm, what I'm gonna do but then you had the days where you know it, suddenly all the positive thing came and thing like okay it'll be okay. So you had to be always ready, you know. And it was an everyday challenge. But uh, I really took it as a positive challenge, not like a negative challenge. And I think it helped me a lot because then I came back and you know I was really happy the, the way I I did it, and I was really happy that I could be back. And I really I enjoyed the rest of the of the season when I came back because you know it was was a kind of bonus because you know it was that part of the season when nobody expected me to play 
so yeah, I really enjoyed that because every game was like, oh, I can, I'm back, you know, it's brilliant. So I even play with less pressure because, you know, you know, you just appreciated the, the, the fact that you can actually play the game. And um, I think it, take, it brings a lot of things into perspective as well. So even it helps you even for the future because you know that there are important things and more important things. And I knew that if that, if that point the career stopped, obviously it would, it would have been a big blow. But you know, you can, I, I knew that you know I'm not only about football. I know that I can do other things, and I will probably be able to do different things. But you only discover it then, which I think is a, is a bonus as well. Because since then, you know, you kind of know that any day it can kind of stop. So you have to be ready for the plan B or plan C. And uh, it's, it's quite uh, it's quite a good li like a life learning experience. How would you describe your first few months at Arsenal? Was it quite strange to leave a club that you've been at for so long for you know, another team in the same league? Well, um, obviously, first competitive game was against my ex-club, which you know it was the, probably the strangest moment in my in my career. But uh, you know, sometimes it's the way it is. You know, I. I, I I had never imagined that that it, it would happen, but uh, you know, in football and in life, and particularly in football, you never know what's behind the corner. So, um, you know, I have to say that so far I've been rejoining my my uh, my Arsenal time, and uh, you know, it's a new experience for me as well. And um, so far, so good. So I hope it will continue this way. That's full time for the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. We're back on Tuesday the 12th of July with an extended interview with Academy Manager Andreas Jonker. To make sure you don't miss that, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or follow the Arsenal SoundCloud page. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast.